You are listening to the Lakeview Podcast from Lakeview Baptist Church in Lacey Lakeview, Texas. Worship with us on Sundays at 1045 at 125 North Bermuda Avenue in Waco, Texas, or find us on the web at facebook.com slash lbc.laceylakeview. So spring is here. Birds are chirping. Grass is growing. On Thursdays, I'm mowing. And it's, you know, it's a busy time, as we have noticed that the weather is slightly warmer than maybe it was in January, even though it's only 10 degrees warmer. We've also noticed that uh, as spring comes closer, we're often busy, we often move, we often go forward, we often find ourselves in predicaments and situations that will mainly keep us going, that sometimes we tend to lose track and sight of what is happening in our life. But mainly, we put our priorities of what we think is worthy of being first. We put something ahead that perhaps shouldn't be. Or maybe we have something ahead that we think is important, that we think that we need in our lives that will lead us this way whenever our lives are going the exact opposite way and we don't want our lives to go that way. Whether it is applying for many different jobs and working there, such as I have done this past semester, or seeing all these different wonderful classes during registration, as I saw, there were, there were plenty that I wanted to choose from, and I only had to limit myself to 12. Nerd problems in the first world, am I correct? So anyways, as we look forward into this time of our lives, we see that there are priorities that we must place in order to function in our flourishing of humanity. But the big idea here is this, that whatever our priorities are first, we are a people of worship. And that our worship will go into whatever we have placed first in our lives. But the cause of our worship that should be there, the cause of our worship that has made us people, that has made us complete, is that of God. That God made us to worship, as we see in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, that God was going to create us in God's own image, and that God did, male and female, and in that we are to worship God. So when I put something before the Lord, when I put whether my schoolwork or my job, or even heaven forbid, I put my ministry before the Lord, which many people are guilty of doing. We lose sight of Christ. We lose sight of the reason for Palm Sunday as we celebrate the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. We lose sight of why Jesus was nailed onto the tree. And so we must realize first and foremost that we are creatures of worship. We are creatures of worship. That four times within the psalm here, it says to worship God. Verse 1, give thanks to the Lord that for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Verse 21, I shall give thanks to you for you have answered me and you have become my salvation. Verse 24, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And verse 29, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his loving kindness is everlasting. We are always worshiping. 
We are created to worship. We are created to and wired to function in a way that we are built to have something filled in our lives. And by this, I mean that we are built to rely on something. We are dependent people, dependent creatures. And the way we are wired and to truly be content and to truly be fulfilled is to be wired towards God. Now, do we do that is a whole entirely different question that we might have to, that we were going to have to discuss within our own hearts, that we're going to have to wrestle with. And that it is perfectly natural to wrestle with. But we are always worshiping. Whether it's with sports, as, I, as we know, baseball has started back up again. I hope to go to a Rangers game this summer. Um, we have seen an incredibly interesting football season, especially the ending back in February of the Super Bowl, where the Falcons had it, but lost it to the Patriots. I want to know what Tom Brady prayed during halftime. Whether it's video games, I am being a nerd of myself and a couple of my students, we enjoy the fun of holding a controller and pressing buttons and seeing the reaction on the screen. Um, whether it's relationships that we have with one another as friends or as significant others with family, sometimes we put that forward first and foremost. Whether it's food, whether it's drugs, whether it's ourselves, the list can go on, positive or negative. We worship something. The question is, were we wired to worship that? I believe we can all find the answer within ourselves that when we are worshiping this, there still seems to be something missing. There still seems to be something that it is not enough. Because God is highly specific in who we are called to worship and who we are made to worship. Give thanks to the Lord. This is the day in which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad of it. But why does this matter to God? Why? What does... God possibly gain from us worshiping him? What can God possibly gain from humanity bowing down on their knees and praising God within song and, and dance and being undignified and all these other terms that we can possibly use? And the answer is absolutely nothing. Anything I do, anything we do, we have an inability of pleasing God through our actions and our worship. We have an inability of escaping our sin. But this leads to our second point. That God calls us to worship because we are only made complete through him. And by this, God doesn't need our worship, but he wants us to flourish. He wants us to prosper. He wants us in our human to be made whole. And the only way for we to be made whole is through him. The only way for us to be complete is to have that God-filled void. That God will fill the void in our hearts that we have lost and that we are so desperately searching for through other things by worshiping them and guiding through them. God must become the object of our faith. Not people, not positions, not politics, not TV shows, not anything around the world, but God. Karl Barth within Church Dogmatics, a 
four-volume series over the course of 11 books, number five volume being an index, writes in volume two, chapter five, section 25, about humanity standing before God. When humanity stands before God, God has made God the object of faith. That only in which God truly understands, but humanity itself seeks after this because God has made God known to the way in which we understand. In other words, God allowed us to understand God on God's terms, and therefore we worship God still on God's terms. That's a lot of roundabout talking for just simply saying God revealed us, himself to us that we may worship him, that we may be made complete through that. That God found his delight in us and God wants what's best for us as a, as a spouse wants what's best for the other, as a parent wants what's best for their child. And we can let those images only go so far because what God wants for us is so much more. And that is why God calls us to worship because we are only made complete through God. So every action God has done was to save us. It was to guide us. It was to give us a chance for true freedom. Verses 22 through 23. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Christ was known as the cornerstone. We sing it in the song, Christ alone, cornerstone, right? The weak made strong in the Savior's love. Christ was rejected and Christ was rejected so that we might find ourselves able to worship. Christ went through all these things. Christ entered triumphantly into Jerusalem so that we might able to sing, be able to sing praises to the Lord. That the bridge that was unrepairable because of our sin, God did the impossible and repaired it. That we might have a true chance at freedom in the Lord. That we might be broken from the bonds of slavery to sin and given righteousness the chains of our Lord. 25 through 28 says this, O Lord, do save, we beseech you. O Lord, we beseech you, you do sin prosperity. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God and he has given us light, but the festival sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. You are my God and I give thanks to you. You are my God and I extol you. God knew the rejection would happen. God knew our hearts. God knew that we would want nothing of it because it did not come in the way that we wanted to. But God came down to us in the way we needed God to. Triumphantly entering in, but yet to be broken only five to six days later. That despite what we go through in our lives, what happens, Christ bore it that we may worship, that we may be brought close to the Lord. My own life, growing up, I focused heavily on this idea of wanting to make a difference wanting to change the world, 
There's a thing called Enneagram. I don't know if any of y'all have heard of that, but it's a number scale on which personalities are based, usually from the numbers of one to nine. You can have a wing on each number. So you can have a one with a nine wing or a one with a two wing. So for instance, I'm a four with a three wing. What that means is I want to stand out from the crowd and I'm also very dramatic. So y'all probably have gained a sense of that over the past year I've been here. So what that means is I want to stand out. I want to make a difference. I want to change the world in some form or fashion. So what that can look like in a term of worship is I'm worshiping an aspiration to change the world. When in fact God has changed the world by entering in to Jerusalem on the final stage of his earthly ministry, the world was changed. You can think of it like this way. In the movie The Fault in Our Stars, Augustus Waters, I'm going to spoil a little bit for you, but meets a girl named Hazel Grace. Both have cancer. And in this time period, they develop attractions for one another and affections, and they develop a relationship that continues to grow and move forward, and, and it becomes romantically involved. They go to Amsterdam together for the make-a-wish thing, even though Hazel Grace wasted hers on Disney World, as many people do. Not knocking Disney World, but that's just a lot of the wishes. Even though she really wanted to go to Amsterdam and see this guy's book. So Augustus gives his wish to her and they go to Amsterdam. In this time, the twist of the book is this. We all think that Hazel Grace is going to be the one who's dying from her illness and that Augustus was healed. He ends up being the one with the, that will end up dying. Augustus' personality, though, is like mine. that He wanted to impact the lives of many and change the world. And yet, Hazel Grace says to him, don't you realize you've already changed my world? You've changed the people around you. Is What more could that be? Sometimes we like to think that we're Jesus and we worship ourselves in that. However, we're not complete in that. God created us to worship God that we may be complete for God. That we may be complete for God. That we may grow in that. And that we can have eternity in a set number of minutes by worshiping God. When we enter into the sanctuary, when we sing praises, when we are at our house and we're praying, when we're doing life with one another and fellowshipping, we're entering into eternity with the saints that have died before us, the saints that are coming after us to worship and praise God. This leads to our third point. That the worship that we do is a response. That we react we don't worship for God to save us. We don't sing songs of praise that thinking that if I sing enough, that if I do enough good actions and enough good works, that if I, if I pray enough in the morning, if I say my Jesus prayer, Jesus Christ, Son of God, forgive me, I am a sinner, have mercy on me. If I say that a hundred times in a day, every day for the next year, God will be like, all right, you can be saved now. No, we don't worship God to save us. We worship because God has saved us. We worship because God willingly took the burden that we were supposed to take for eternity and took it in that time period of three days. 
every fiber of my being was inescapable from sin and God saved that. By being pierced in the side, by being pierced in his hands. So with this triumphal celebration of Christ's entering, we look back at it today and we see this is the beginning. This is the, the ball moving forward to our salvation being reacted, reinnovated through Christ Jesus. And that there is a need to rejoice because our king is coming. Our king has returned. And in the past, when the original context of the psalm was written, it was David's triumphal return from the revolt of his son Absalom. That after the death of Absalom, David's son, David entered back into Jerusalem, the rightful king coming home, leading people to worship the Lord for bringing back the rightful king. And then there's the meeting in the middle where Christ, our rightful king, our rightful Lord God, is coming back to the world. That Christ is here, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and so we worship. We give thanks for the Lord has become our salvation. We give thanks because the loving kindness endures forever. That's not just going to happen during the honeymoon phase of our life. That there will be rough times and yet God's loving kindness still endures. That when I'm at my lowest point and God's still at God's highest, Consistently forever, his loving kindness still meets me in grace and mercy. That when I have screwed up big time, when I feel like, oh God, you can't love me for this, you can't love me for the scars I have given myself, the punishments I have bore, the people I have hurt, God's love still endures. That's a God worth worshiping. That's a God who cares and loves. And I feel that my love can never astound that, but I will give God all that I have for that. But of course I'll still mess up. Of course we all will still mess up. So humanity. But God is unconditional in his love and his grace and his mercy. That God can use some of the worst characters in the world and in the scriptures to bring about his glory and our response then, in our depravity, in our deplorable state of being, God can still use us. And so our response is worship. And what that looks like in our lives, we, the, the list is endless. The sky is the limit. There is so many possibilities of how we can worship the Lord. Because God first loved us. We love God in return. We don't have a checklist that we need to do. We simply allow God to speak in our hearts to, for us to listen, for us to be open. About three weeks ago, I was at a concert. It was, a, it was over at Common, Common Grounds, and the band was named Colony House. You might recognize the lead singer and the drummer's father as Stephen Curtis Chapman. The band was, was wonderful, and the, the concert was a great time. But in one of the songs, everything seemed to kind of zone out for me. 
And just the thought in my head was repeating of the Lord speaking to me. Are you mine? And am I yours? And then that developed a, a sense of intimacy that I had so long tried to forget in doing my ministry and trying to get myself busy and be successful in whatever ways that I deemed as successful, right? Trying to change that world, that Enneagram 4 personality right there, wanting to stand out. The simple question of, are you mine and am I yours? Led me to worship all the more gladly. God made that moment. God's made today. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us pray.